Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Voice by Matt show. My name is Matt Bertho, and I'm your host. And today I have a very special guest. It's a guy that I watched growing up in the 90s, and uh, I cheered for him really hard. He played for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's one of the best place kickers of all time. Mr. Number Eight, Nick Lowry. Hey, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Go Chiefs, baby. Oh, man. Right? Isn't that... I feel so spoiled right now. Like, spoiled. Yes, we are. That's because you are. That's because I am. Because we are. (laughs) We're, you know, we've got... uh, I I do worry um, what's going to be the transition uh, in a post-Travis Kelsey era because he's been so much a part of this dynamic duo that he and, and Patrick have created. But, you know, Patrick keeps learning. And so here he is at 28 with his, you know, sixth consecutive AFC championship game and fourth Super Bowl. Um, it's going to be interesting. And, and I guess it's inevitable to talk about the comparison of experience that the Chiefs have had the last four years with, you know, San Francisco losing to us four years ago. And now this, you know, upstart quarterback um, in Brock Purdy against the magic man himself, the, the magic Johnson of the NFL. Yes. Yeah. The magic man himself, Mahomes, uh, you know, Nick, you are a part of some pretty epic teams in the nineties. Uh, you got my, you had Montana, correct? We had Steve DeBerg, uh, in 1990, uh, when we went to the playoffs and, uh, started to fill up completely Arrowhead Stadium with a sea of red, Craig, and then of course, Joe Montana for a couple of years. And, um, you know, just in the playoffs every year, what, what Marty did with Carl Peterson, Mm. uh, creating and, and the framework, if you will, was almost instantaneously in 1989, his first year making us more of a team and a tougher team. Hmm. Even when the the talent wasn't that different, it showed how a team takes on the personality of its head coach. And Marty was one tough SOB. Uh, and I loved it because it was all about work your tail off and producing games. You take care of those two mm. things. And I love being a dependable part of those Marty Schottenheimer playoff teams. Man, goosebumps you saying that out loud. What, what was it like, like uh, the behind the scenes, like the locker room and the, the talks, the expectations, you know, you talk because I know I, I did some research on you, Nick, like you're a really awesome speaker in the, the field of mental toughness and what it takes. You have a new book coming out. I want to tell everybody about. Yes, sir. Um, you know, and you can talk a little bit about that, but it, it goes along with what I'm getting into now with the mental toughness. Um, but talk to us a little bit about behind the scenes of Marty and like how he uh, instilled in you guys this toughness. Because at that level, you guys are the cream of the crop. You're professional. You're the best in every area. You're drafted. You're undrafted. Like you, you have guys on that team that have lived and breathed this moment. And for Marty to get the, that potential out of you, you know, mm-hmm. using his voice. How did, how did that happen? So first of all, you can be the cream of the crop, but cream can curdle, right? If it's not, <laughs> if it's not in the right in, environment and uh, I'll give 
Carl Peterson credit because I remember sitting there and looking at Marty's hands, slightly shaking, mm. um, and Carl speaking to the team for the first time, just uh, using the uh, legendary quote from Vince Lombardi saying, winning is a habit, but so also is, is losing. And mm. we are here to win, gentlemen. And then Marty getting up, um, you know, there's a big difference Number one, between individual psychology and team psychology, it's a heck of a lot more complicated. And a head coach can work and coach the individuals on his, um, you know, when he's a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator, like Steve Spagnuolo does such a phenomenal job for us on defense. Um, But when the head coach takes over, you know, he's not just focused on the individual motivation. He's got to think about the team, the team, the team, and how I keep them together. And you'll notice Marty did it. We were always on the same page on Wednesday. We'd have a Tuesday off. We'd have a, uh, you know, workout and watch game film on a Monday. And then Wednesday we're getting back at it. And Wednesday morning was a good hour presentation by Marty on here's who we're playing. Here's what we want to do. Here's who we have to stop, but always understanding that you don't give the other team bulletin board material. You don't open your big, stupid mouth because you feel so powerful. And you see that today with some players, including, frankly, in the Ravens game on Sunday, that we pushed the Ravens to be more physical than they already were, which was pretty darn physical. And that put them to an emotional level where they did some stupid things, whether it was flowers, taunting. Yeah. Uh, Legereus Sneed, who then gets him back and knocks the ball out just oh. as he's one foot from the goal line. That, that really play, oh my god, incredible! But you know, when you when you start doing that, you you frustrate uh, a bad team, but a good team just gets even more focused. Um, yeah. And we can't avoid talking about the bizarre behavior of Justin Tucker, who's you know the best kicker in the history of the game, a great guy, opera singer, incredible human being. But somehow he had, over the years, I think, come to think it was okay uh, to violate the fundamental protocol in pregame, which is you don't spend your time warming up right in the middle of the other team's warm-ups. You stay on your side of the field. And he's not only doing that, he's not on the 45-yard line or 40-yard line like Buddy Ryan was when we played the Warren Moon led Houston Oilers in the 94 playoffs almost exactly 30 years ago. Wow. He was on the goal line right next to Patrick Mahomes, who might have tripped on his helmet, you know, his yeah. Helmet or his footballs or his his little ball holder there. And 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 so all it did was give us that little bit more edge. So So uh, Nick, I don't mean to cut you off, but as a professional kicker. What is the actual protocol? Because I remember watching this on Instagram. I just said the the protocol. The protocol is you don't go to the other side of the field and you don't kick field goals on the other side of the field when they're there. You just don't do that. When they're done, you do, but you don't do it. Like I would walk on the sidelines. I'll never forget Kellen Winslow, who went to the University of of Missouri, played with me, was a teammate on the all-pro team, the the, uh, Pro Bowl team. I kicked the game-winning field goal back in 82, and we've been friends ever since. And and I could walk up to him from the sidelines and stand next to him, and he's stretching, not getting in his way. He's just stretching and shake his hand, say, how you doing, brother? That was great. But anything more, walking into the middle of the field, Hmm. just just strange. So once again, Justin Tucker's a great guy in every other sense, but as Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey said, you know, if you're going to be a – 
D-I-C-K. Yeah. I can be one too. And as Patrick said, only three times in seven years has someone ventured right in the middle of their warmups. And it's always been in Baltimore. It's always been Justin Tucker. So I don't know where he got the feeling that, that was okay, but thank you. Thanks yeah. for giving us a little bit more of an edge. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it's, it's, uh, pretty incredible that that emotional edge, we, I mean, w watching Patrick and Kelsey and the chiefs in the playoffs is a completely different team than watching them in the regular season right now. And so I have a, a question for you, Nick, because you, you know, this environment, you know, these coaches is Andy Reed that brilliant? that he would specifically, this is just a theory I have, that he would specifically not target Kelsey as much the last four games of the season to give him a break and then also make people think he's done, he's old, he's retiring, he's, 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 he's hanging it up after this season. Is that like something that Reed and the, and the staff would do? Is that like something that uh, this brilliant coaches would do? Because what happened in the playoffs, because I had it in the back of my head, I'm like, man, Kelsey, I, I see it. He's fired up, man. He's ready to go. And so right. is that something that, that you think that Reed would actually do in the coaching staff? I don't think so. But at the same time, maybe a mild thing saying, hey, we've got to get the other receivers into the game. And this is the time to do it. Um, hmm. But it can backfire on you. So I'm, I don't think that was a major thing, but maybe they just said, you know, almost by default, we got to focus on getting the other receivers, Rasheed Rice being the most important one, obviously, wow. um, back into it. And, uh, you know, Kadarius Tony, unfortunately, just got it. We can never forget what he did for us in the Super Bowl, helped yep. win the game, yep. but he's just been, you know, lost this yeah. season. And um, MVS was lost, too, until the playoffs. So, yeah. you know, in the end, the champions get a different gear in the playoffs. And that experience, to me, that's the difference is you look at Brock Purdy. I'm sure he'll play well. I'm sure he won't make a lot of mistakes. But you got a guy that's played in what will be his fourth Super Bowl. And every game, when after you win the Super Bowl, everybody's got a target on your back, your forehead, your chest, and every other part of your body. You know, so. <laughs> You know, they expect to uh, deal with this kind of pressure because they've had to. So yeah. that's an advantage. Um, you still have to play it. So the big thing that I say is message for Dallas Cowboy fans, Buffalo fans, and Baltimore fans, and the Kansas City Chiefs fans, and the players. Yeah. In the end, we don't deserve anything. None of us do. Mm. None of us do. And if we remember that, it's always about earning it. Yes. Just because you look better on paper and you had a game last week as a kicker, I had to, you know, if I missed a field goal, I had to get ready for the next one and flush it down my emotional toilet and move <laughs> on. But if you had a good game, the same principle applies. You just got to remember, you always have to humble yourself, stay hungry mm. and earn it. And if the Chiefs remember that, stay humble and earn it, mm. then number three is on the way. Number three oh, yeah. under Patrick Mahomes, number That's four right. overall. Nick, let's talk about that mental toughness and flushing it down the toilet, the, the emotional stress and anxiety and the crap that, you know, people go through just in life, right? And it sounds like you wrote a whole book about it. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? 
Well, it's about, I tried to do it so it wasn't just a, you know, chronological page turner, you know, when I was first born, blah, blah, right. blah, blah, when I was five, but more just looking at some of the seminal moments in my life and then looking at the lessons, what's been a great teacher. And uh, one of the great um, learning experiences for me with Mrs. King and studying Plato and Socrates, asking the better question, what is good? What is the higher um, goal in life? And as a kicker, you are held accountable for the one miss you have. I had two consecutive seasons with 21 plus consecutive field goals. I was 22 for 24 the next year uh, and game winning field goal in the Pro Bowl. You know, that was 87 percent at a time when the fields were much more chewed up, when the balls weren't broken in like they are now. And kickers are better now, but uh, they would have had a lot more problems <laughs> with the field conditions we dealt with. Um, but anyway, bottom line is uh, I take the lessons as a kicker of how to focus, how to block out distractions, mm. how to overcome being rejected 11 times by eight teams and realizing the inner growth that I had to go through in two years. I mean, we have these, you know, self-help gurus that talk about one month, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of truth to that. But it's really been consistent. And so in two years, I went from not being ready for primetime on national TV against the Oakland Raiders when Daryl Stingley was still paralyzed in the in the uh, hospital in in Oakland. And I was playing with the Patriots um, and being scared to death, you know, just not being ready to being mentally tougher and physically tougher just because you begin to say, hey, bring on the arrows because I'm coming back. I'll pull out this arrow, I'll pull out this arrow, arrow, and I'll keep coming back so that you shift the focus from self-consciousness and fear to just discipline and uh, and controlled aggression. So uh, the, I'm going to talk a lot about that and also – also, the success, the idea that um, no matter what your success is, if it isn't tied to contributing, to helping others find their own purpose mm. and destiny and contribution, yes. then you'll always feel a little bit empty. Yes. So I have a question about the discipline and the routine, Nick. Um, what was it the, that made you really dig deep for those two years? That's one. And then two, could you give us like um, a, a good routine that you have now? And that you had as a player that got you ready before the game? Did you visualize? Did you did you meditate? Did you pray? Like the food? Like well, all, all those things matter. I mean, I start every day. I get into my freezing cold pool, which it is freezing cold now. Although in a month it'll start to warm up more, um, because that's the mental challenge. What I call voluntary adversity, which breeds mm. discipline which is being bred out of us by this thing because we're used to instant dopamine-based results and, and pleasure-based conditioning. So we have to be more intentional about reminding ourselves, refreshing the mind, reminding, a great word, hmm. how we really stay in control. And then there's gratitude, getting out of the pool, I'm frozen and I, I meditate and, and pray to, that uh, God and Jesus uh, in, mm. inform my ways. Um, I know Patrick does that, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, and then do something with it. So with regard to a game, it was not only intellectually thinking about the game, it was not just visualizing the game and the situations, but it was also 
how am I going to feel in those moments? So that's really important. So anybody that can go on Amazon, buy at least one, if not two books on confidence, I will just let you that I, I would buy this book. I'm not sure if it's even still in print. It probably is, but this is now 30 years ago, okay. beginning of training camp on confidence. And when you intentionally um, think confident, affirming thoughts, this is something that uh, former Olympic uh, cycling sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs, who worked with me for a long time, it's the first thing he asked me to do. And I never thought of that being intentional, fill your mind with simple, positive thoughts. Yes. And, uh, and and then, of course, it's also the dogged mountain goat uh, determination. You know, you're going up this slope and you've seen those pictures. Of course, they've got almost <laughs> no edge, but they hang on there. There's something that connects them to the mountainside, to the journey so that they don't fall down and kill themselves, if you will. Uh, there's a, just a determination and a belief. And I think that's fed if our belief and determination are about that we're going to honor our parents, honor the people that are the mentors. If we didn't have good parents, honor the people that were there for us, coaches, teachers, mentors. Mm. Um, and then, of course, contribute that sense of my skills, my unique gifts that God's given me are different in everybody. That's that's to me the best thing. That the gift is we are all unique and the journey is to find how unique we are harness it and then use it for success and use that as a, a map for others to do the same thing. That's always a circle, a circle of success. And those are the people that don't sabotage themselves when they get to the mountaintop. Andre Agassi talks about it, how he was never more miserable than when he was number one for the first time. Wow. And then he went down to 140th in the world and then took ownership of it and was intentional every day with what he did because that's what he had control over. Dr. Jacobs would always say to me, what do you have control over? Nothing except this, my choices. I can't control the coach. I cannot control the girlfriend. I cannot control my friends, my family, but I can't control how I see my opportunities and what I do and to interpret them and then to make the best choices I can and follow through with consistency. The thing I'm most proud of is to be a consistent person in my life for the people I love and care about and to be a great teammate and be dependable and make those kicks. I didn't make every one of them. So how do I do it? Did I then say I missed that kick, therefore I'm a failure? No, mm. failure ends up being one more reference to how not to do it. And so it's always learning. When I'm 100 years old, like Arthur Mayer, my professor at Dartmouth College, I remember walking with him after his lecture. He was the most popular professor on campus. And he's talking with his 88-year-old wife. How'd I do after his lecture? How can I get it better tomorrow? I want to be that way when I'm 94 or 100 years old. How can I get it better tomorrow? Yeah, so you, you, uh, you segued right into where I want to go. You know, Nick, you've had such a beautiful life. Um, with a lot of amazing, you know, accolades, and uh, it sounds like you're having a blast. Uh, it's it looks like you're doing great as a speaker. Also, you got the book coming out. What is the legacy for you? Like, you know, you talked about uh, something. Also, the why. You know, your why. You know, Ben yes. Newman, the mental toughness coach for Kansas State football, talks about the burn or the that that inner drive, right? Yep. So yeah, what's that motor inside? They talked about Bill Moss had that motor inside, uh, you know, just the players 
Isaiah Pacheco. Is that a guy with a bird? Is that a guy oh. with a motor? And, and does that not translate to the rest of the team? I think he's really helped Patrick because mm-hmm. he's just so, and of course, Travis, uh, you know, especially in the playoffs this year, you know, he's been working through a lot of emotions and a lot of um, ridiculous amounts of attention with the Taylor yep. thing, but, yep. and he had really a rather poor, he only had one touchdown the last half of the season, but look at him now. So yeah. Um, to me, the burn is uh, a sense of gratitude and a sense that I make the most of what I can do uh, to help others. That's, that's the transition from the proper role developmentally of the ego, which is not all bad, which is to set goals, to compare ourselves to others, and then to say, here's the role model or two or three or four or five that I want to make myself like, but then to transition from the choices that have to do with the appetites of ego and, you know, having to be the one uh, to a spiritual depth, you know, that we all uh, have a connection to each other if you look for it. And that's that's really what's so beautiful about 17 years of Champions for the Homeless, 27 years of Native Vision and my nation-building leadership program for Native kids mm. who are also homeless in some ways because of what's happened to Native peoples in American history. And yet they dig deeper. They have a sense of um, universal wisdom that mm. we could take advantage of. So... What, what's in it for me is just to keep growing as a human being and growing in in wisdom, in love, in gratitude, maybe a little patience, and hopefully humor too. Yeah. Well, you you have a great spirit about you, Nick, and I know that you've, you've worked on that. I can feel it. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about energy for a second because, okay. you know, you use your voice. Uh, I help people with technique, with storytelling, and with energy. I call it performance magic. So people can feel what we want them to feel. And I think you're gonna understand this part, but see what we want them to see, our vision. And I see those visions. When you're speaking to me, I feel it. I have goosebumps all over my body right now telling you this. Um, As far as that energy, because I, I love Arrowhead and that energy, right? And I was blessed that I got to watch you guys on Monday Night Football. And I got to watch a guy named Derek Thomas get to blow up that quarterback. And that place just electric. Like, you can feel it right now. I can feel it. I can see it. Explain that as a player, that energy that the audience gives you, that the the, the fans give you. Mm. What does that feel like as a player on the field to have 78,000 people thinking about Nick Lowry? Well, first of all, if you depend on that, then you'll also have an external source for validation, which is not good, right? Because then you'll be playing away and you're not getting a lot of validation (laughs) in the black hole in Oakland or I guess Vegas now or in Buffalo or or New England where they – uh, you know, shout very directed, very personal Shakespearean soliloquies about your mama. Oh, and so, but, but uh, just frankly, that 23 below game against Miami, the first playoff game, I was there and I went with my, one of my best friends, Scott Passmore. He's from Kansas city. He's been the anchor for good morning, Arizona for 34 years, but he's a big Chiefs fan. Went to K state was a awesome. sprinter there. 
when we walked right down to the field, right at the bottom of the stands, and the camaraderie with the fans was just incredible. So that, you know, so like, we may die today, which we won't, but it sure is cold and it's dangerous. But, hey, we're here because we're here. We really are committed no matter what. And that, to me, that said, said, uh, said a lot about the character of Chiefs fans, uh, which, you know, uh, was not quite that way back in the 80s when we were not a good team. And now look at how it's just blossom this yeah. chief's nation chief's kingdom yeah uh it's a beautiful thing but you can't depend on it so to me it's just um wanting to honor the people and be a good role model for the people you want to inspire tony robbins um called me i became friends with him was did an infomercial for him awesome after the 90 season in 91 it was on for about 12 years and uh because i really liked his tapes i liked his books and his tapes i think his yeah. seminars not so much, but uh, he was great. He'd taken me to Fiji where he has a great uh, location there and brings people out. And he called me uh, the day before the championship game against Buffalo 30 years ago. And he said, uh, how are you feeling? I said, I'm kind of nervous. I don't want to disappoint anybody. He said, well, who are you here? Who are you playing for? Hmm. And for me, I was playing for the kids with cerebral palsy, my cerebral palsy all-stars. And for the inner city kids with the adult role models for youth program. And that, was so helpful to remember you're playing for something bigger than you. That's different than saying I'm playing for the cheers of the audience. Wow, you know, yes. I'm playing for those kids that they see through me, courage, focus, um, determination, no matter what, you know, because that's armor. Armor isn't that you're putting on this breastplate and then you're not going to be hit. Armor you know, is really that you had a bullet, you had an arrow, whatever it was, and bounced off you, hit you, maybe uh, affected your balance temporarily, but you just got back up and kept going. And that emotional armor, that's what Marty helped teach us. Carl helped uh, set the stage for that. Great coaches like, I mean, think about it, Bill Cower, Tony yeah. Dungy, I know. Mike McCarthy, Bruce Arians. Those are all Super Bowl champion coaches. Um, Al Saunders, just great teachers. And I, I hope in my own way, I can be a teacher, mm. not so much with talking so much, but hopefully backed up with consistency. That's what I'm most proud of. Champions for the Homeless. We're in our 17th year. Native Vision, which was on Oprah as the best new program for Native youth, is in its 27th year. To me, if you want to make a difference in the world, just say, what could I do mm. for a generation? Yes. What could I stick with for a generation? Now, that better be worth it. Because if you stick with it, then it goes from all this psychology around intention to the reality or what Harvard calls social capital. You've created something new, some new asset in your world, in your community wow. that wasn't there before. So now with Native Vision, kids that were 16 in 1996 in Chinle on the Navajo Reservation um, are now 43. And they've got kids and they've got a career. And they can never say that pro athletes, Olympic gold medalists, uh, World Cup champions in soccer, Tiffany Milbert and Christy Pierce just come from the World Cup, uh, NBA stars, just, you know, college coaches, that they would come out for free just mm. to say, you're loved, you're not forgotten. And then we've been doing that now for 27 years with Johns Hopkins and the NFL Players Association and my friend Clark Gaines. Um, and that's taught me, I think, just to stay with it, stay with it, stay with it. Mm, man. Well, Nick, uh, one last question before we stop. I know you have a, to get off here, but um, 
with the players and the youth men that are growing up right now in this social media age, you kind of, you kind of hit on it a little bit. Um, what's the biggest advice you have for the players right now and these men growing up as yeah. a father, as a husband, um, to help them, uh, be the best version of themselves they possibly could be? Well, first of all, we are in a time where algorithms and social media attempt daily hundreds of times to make us feel um, sensitive and vulnerable and divided. Mm. And so whether it's a man or a woman, um, don't put your stock in social media, put your stock in, in God and your purpose and in your right, consistent focus and actions every day. And remember that 75% of the people in this country are good-hearted, maybe much more than that, but they're common sense people right in the middle. They're not right. They're not left. Yeah. They just, they believe in hard work. They believe in good, being good family members. They believe in being role models and there are exceptions on the right. There are exceptions on the left and just be the exception right in the middle, not in terms of not making hard choices. No, but in just being uh, someone whose actions speak so loudly to quote coach Marv Levy back in my first year in the NFL with the chiefs, mm -hmm. your actions are so loud that no one hears what you're saying. Man, I love that. That's beautiful. Well, Nick, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Um, we're going to get this out to everybody Super Bowl week so they can watch Nick talk and see him. And, um, okay, well, we got it. We got to do this like prediction chiefs, 49ers, Super Bowl, what you got? I got it. 26, Chiefs, 26, 49ers, 17. I love it. We are going to uh, have four field goals from Harrison but Butker, who's, you know, the other side of the coin, just quiet, humble, incredibly clutch and dependable. And, um, you know, we're going to – this the experience is going to pay off. I think Brock Purdy, there will be a time when it's a close game, but I think ultimately – Look, at we've allowed an average of under four points uh, per game in the second half. And if we can do what we did in Baltimore, which was start off in the first half and shut them down, it's going to be hard to beat us. So, And I, I'll, I'll leave you with this one um, quote, by the way. I wrote this for the YMCA for Adult Role Models for Youth with uh, my friend Gene Dooley, um, who ran it back then. And... Uh, it really says it best, which is it's not the brightness of the spotlight on you. It's the intensity of the light within you. And mm. that's, Woo. that's what matters. That's great. So if people want to get a hold of you, Nick, how can they get a hold of you? And then tell them when they can get the book. Well, it'll be coming out next month. Uh, it's called Naked and Alone with 80,000 People. Uh, and I'll be announcing that. Um, but you can go to Nick Lowry, N-I-C-K-L-O-W-E-R-Y 88 on Instagram. You can message me there. You can find me at Nick Lowry, Nick the Kick on Facebook, and obviously in LinkedIn. Uh, and you can go to nicklowry.org or nicklowry.com. By the way, we have some really nice um, necklaces. And um, you know, here's one of them right here oh. uh, that Patrick Mahomes' mother has and, and Clark Hunt and, and a $300 donation, which you can write off uh, if you go to that website. Uh, and then you email me uh, on the website with your address, you'll get one of those really nice necklaces. And all of that goes to helping the homeless 
right here in Kansas City. And we hope to start something in in um, in Kansas City as well, but but especially, excuse me, in Phoenix at St. Vincent de Paul. I think I'm going to do that today. I think everybody awesome. should go ahead and do that. Well, thanks Thank for you. being on the podcast, Nick. And uh, thanks, we will Matt. see you guys next week. Go Chiefs! Go Chiefs, baby. Let's do it. Let's go.